Welcome to the worst girl gang ever. We are proudly sponsored by Fertility Circle, an app to support anyone who is trying to conceive. Their mission is to empower people to make informed choices when it comes to their fertility with a one-stop app, like your best friend with all of Fertility Smarts. The app connects users to a like-minded community and trusted experts from around the world. It empowers people with information, education and inspiration. It's a place for virtual hugs, practical support and a place to find a friend who just gets it. Co-founders Abby and Karen have both personally felt the heartbreak that comes with failed cycles and pregnancy loss and truly believe no one should have to suffer alone. They look forward to welcoming you to the Fertility Circle community. They're currently offering everyone free premium club membership, which means you can access all the areas of the app for free for a limited time. So download now and take advantage of this great offer. You can download the free Facility Circle app in your app store or from this podcast description, where you will also find the link to a free fertility wellness pack. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Worst Girl Gang Ever. And we are joined here today in the studio by, is it Charla? It's Charla. Charla, okay. It's spelt with a CH, but pronounce it like an SH, yeah, Charla. Okay, it's cool. very pretty. And it's lovely. Is it short Thanks. for anything? No, no. It's yeah. That's just my name. It's um. It's a bit of a tricky one. It's a. Uh, once you get it, I hope people remember it. That's how I like to yeah. think about it. Well, we'll remember it now. Sure. I mean, I might not because I can even remember what time we're supposed to be here tonight. But <laughs> at least you turned up. Yeah, I'm here. Better late than never, right? Yeah. Um. Sure. So. Charlotte, tell us about because you are on Instagram, you are the Grateful Hearts Club, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So tell us a bit about how what that is and how you came to uh, to do it. Well, okay. So it's a bit of a journey, really. It's hard to know exactly where to start, but essentially, the Grateful Hearts Club is the way that I share what I've learned about gratitude with people, and I learned about gratitude at a really difficult time. And to make sense of that time, I guess, and try and turn some of that pain into kind of love and to give me like a positive outlet, I created the Grateful Hearts Club. It was a bit of a passion project and then it's turned mm. into, yeah, turned into my to a business. Brilliant. And what is it? Tell us about your business. What do you do? So I started out, I designed some gratitude cards. So when I was thinking about making gratitude a habit, I learned about, you know, writing something down. There's a lot of value in that for me. So I created some gratitude cards so that people could buy them and they could use them to create their own um, habit. But I guess I realized that not everyone was in the same kind of place as me. So they hadn't learned about gratitude because they need it. And in order for them to understand the cards, I needed to connect with them over what gratitude actually was. So I created some online gratitude workshops and I've been kind of rolling them out across the whole of last year. And um, yeah, I've been rolling them out to businesses and I've just created one for use in schools for children. Oh, fantastic. So for someone who isn't really down with gratitude where would I start what would you what do you do in your in your workshop so the main things that I kind of encourage people to do is just to create some kind of time or pocket in your day for you to reflect on some of the things you're grateful for so maybe it's when you have your first coffee you just have a little bit of reflection and think of a couple of things 
I think starting your day with gratitude is really positive. Even if you think of one grateful thing um, before you get out of bed, you know, just to really get your mindset in the most positive kind of place. Um, And ending the day with gratitude is also really powerful because it can really help you sort of have a good night's sleep. So I guess if you're thinking of positive things that you're happy about, you're not thinking or overthinking about, you know, the other the other kind of challenges of life, shall we say, at the moment. Yeah. And so what do, when you say start your day with gratitude, do you literally say out loud, I'm really grateful for this bed? It's a good bed, for example. <laughs> I always I'm always grateful for my bed, basically. I love I absolutely <laughs> love sleeping. So my bed always gets a, a big mention, but it, I don't write it down, I just think it. It's about your thought processes. So if you can have that positive thought every morning, you're starting to create a, a positive habit for yourself. Um, And that's what it's about for me. And definitely one thing I've learned, especially over this last year, is sharing gratitude with people is really, really powerful. So if you think of someone or you're messaging someone, just make sure you let them know that you're grateful to them and why. I think that's a real um, feel good thing for both of you. You know, you feel good and they feel good. And it really encourages others kind of, yeah, like a little ripple effect, I guess. Yeah, I love that. See, I had that a few years ago. Um, funnily enough, just after I've been through a really rough time, I decided to tell people whenever I thought nice things instead of just, you know, when you when you think, oh, that's a really nice hat, for example, and then you just <laughs> go about your daily. I thought whenever I think about something like that, I'm going to tell the person. And it's really scary to do um, because sometimes they're strangers, mm. like often they're strangers. But now if someone looks nice or I notice their haircut or you know anything I'll just say oh I really like your hat yeah. and it and people just go oh oh thank you yeah. but it, you can tell that you've made a difference in their day and when and I, I've been on the I remember this guy saying to me once when I went into the news agents he went oh you smell really nice I love your perfume and it even that was just like a oh Oh, thanks very much. I mean, I'm very easily pleased. It's a really nice feeling. It is a nice feeling and and it doesn't take much. Yes. I think people that are the kind of cheerleaders in life, I I think special just to notice and to, yeah, to be someone that's prepared to share some goodness. I think we all need it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so our gang members who are going through these awful times of miscarriage and loss, Sometimes it can be really hard to find positive things that are going on in your life. So what advice would you give to them? So the the reason that I know about gratitude in the first place is because I have I have really sort of lost. I've gone through a really um, challenging time trying to start a family with my husband. Um, So I've been I've been there and I, I know that kind of that grief and how that can really sort of take over and I used to call them when I um we had a a daughter that um died in in childbirth in 2013 and life was really um yeah and I and I know that it's it's lovely to talk to you actually because I've I've spoken to lots of people about this time in my life but perhaps no one that understands maybe as much Mm as as you probably do so I've been I've kind of been in that darker side of life where things are really really um yeah challenging and I call them crumbs of joy basically when I was in those 
sort of that dark chapter of my life, I used to try my hardest just to find the smallest positive, whatever that crumb of joy was, I just made sure that I acknowledged it. Mm. And it could just be something really small, a slightly better day or um, some fresh air, a nice walk, um, something, a nice cup of coffee, whatever that tiny thing was that made me smile, I really held on to it and I was grateful for it. And um, a few of those small joys in a day can really add up. So mm. I guess just, yeah, noticing those small things. And if you know what can make you happy, just try and encourage a few more of those things into, yeah. your, into your day or your week. It can really make a difference. Yeah. And how, so this was, did you say 2013? Yeah, 2013. How long after your experience, after your baby died, did you manage to kind of see through the darkness in order to start doing this? Well, I that was only the start of the journey, really, because... Um, yeah, 2013. I'd already had a, a missed miscarriage before that. So our first pregnancy didn't um, work out either. So we'd already gone into that second pregnancy in a, in a really kind of, yeah, I guess a difficult, vulnerable place, you know, yeah. all of that mm. anxiety that goes with that trying again and dusting yourself off. Um, and then so many things happened after that time. I, I actually... I found out that I had a unicorn uterus um, mm. when our daughter died, which is part of the reason, um, yeah, that everything happened the way that it did. Um, and then we had a couple of years of just, yeah, pure grief, I suppose, and feeling yeah, very lost in the world. Um, we didn't fall pregnant for a while and then we had some investigations and I had some endometriosis and I, I you know I had lots of surgery in that time yeah. and then we um, we tried again and we had another missed miscarriage and yeah it, all of this stuff I was actually I, I tried to refine do a little timeline before I spoke to you because I just wasn't sure you know what what, what mm. we would be talking about exactly and it was so hard because there's so much happened in this chapter and I guess yeah. when you're grieving anyway it was just this big kind of weird soupy grief you know yeah. um mm. but two people very um very optimistic you know we always had a lot of hope and I guess that that bit of gratitude that I had at that time was always around kind of yeah, thinking that we would get to this happy ending. Mm. Um, and we actually had another, um, we had two ectopic pregnancies after that as well. So it was Blimey, a really, um, Charla, what? challenging time. But yeah, for sure. Just horrendous. And you know about this, Laura, don't you? Because you, when, when we first met and you were talking about your timeline, you were like, was that before or after? Mm. And isn't it awful that, that those tragedies are so come so closely together and so get muddled up in your mind like mm. oh gosh you poor things it's just it's just awful to to think about so tell me about your ectopic pregnancies yeah. what was the management for those when I had the first ectopic pregnancy I was really worried because I'd had so much surgery mm. and I um 
Olive was my our, da- our daughter was called or is called Olive. Um, mm. She was a cesarean, and then I'd already had a, a surgery before then, and then I had the endometriosis surgery, and then I'd I'd had one more miscarriage. So I was so worried about having more surgery that I opted for a medical treatment of the first ectopic mm-hmm. pregnancy. Um, methotrexate I think it's called yeah. and that was hard that was really hard actually because what kept happening with me is that even when things didn't work out worked out in the worst way possible so whatever the the worst case scenario was of of, of the really difficult already to sort of handle thing mine was the worst thing so the methotrexate I think it's supposed to take a, a week but it took like eight weeks for my blood levels to go down and everything was really long and and drawn out you know it wasn't um it wasn't easy and not not that there's an easy but it just it wasn't straight it was really yeah nothing was ever straightforward and I think um so we had one in 2007 and then we sort of had the courage to try again and we had an ectopic in 2018 and um, we hadn't had a heartbeat apart from um, when we had our daughter we hadn't had a heartbeat so every time it was a similar thing you know that being there waiting that anticipation to find out and we never got to that that place but the last ectopic pregnancy was the first pregnancy that we'd had a heartbeat it was in kind of one of the most dangerous positions that that a pregnancy could be in so um yeah it literally was sort of gown room to heartbeat to straight to surgery really in in the space of you know a, a few hours mm. well wow, that's really tough because I think the majority of ectopics will there won't be a heartbeat and you find out because you're bleeding and so the pregnancy has already gone wrong um but to go and have that operation knowing that there's this little beating heart in there must be really really tough yeah it's because it was it was all we ever wanted to see you know that was the thing it was just that um to have been sort of so hopeful still at that stage and to get to that place where we were thinking right okay this is going to be it this is going to be the one and everything else is going to make so much sense to us you know we're going to this is the moment that we'll look back and think oh yes okay we've got there yeah Um, so to have the heartbeat and for it still not to work out was um yeah it was really hard but I guess to answer your question after all of that I mean, I only have part of a unicorn at uterus is that you you literally have half. So you have half the uterus and you have one tube, one kidney. Um, so I only had one tube. So the ectopic pregnancy, they had to take the tube away. So it was literally that was it for us. Was it, was, it. It, was a, it was sort of game over in terms of our plans for having a family of our on our own um but I guess um it just made me think I mean it was really hard that you know to get to that point because I guess it's probably about six years in total that chapter so it's quite a big chunk wow you know we got married and then we tried you know pretty much straight away so all of our married life had been kind of wrapped up in this it's like this sort of weird limbo land isn't it between the time that you decide that you want to be a parent 
and the time that you, you actually bring a child into the world. It's this sort of, you're not, mm. you're not a single person, but you're not a parent either. So what are you? There is no kind of, there's no name for that. There's no distinction of what you are when you're trying for a baby, but you're not a mum. Yeah. You're just waiting it must be all really, the time. Yeah, just waiting. waiting. It's just such a difficult position to be yeah. in. Waiting, hoping it will happen. But, you know, it doesn't doesn't for everybody, does it? Sorry, Charlotte. After that second ectopic okay. pregnancy, did you then decide that was it, couldn't do it again? Or did you then look into alternate things? Well, I it was just so hard. I guess, I don't know, there was a lot of, processing and kind of unpacking of that whole chapter because all the time we were trying it's kind of a question mark around whether we were properly grieving and I guess it was so final and so kind of like right this is the end it kind of took us a long time to get our heads around it and I think we just wanted to just focus on happiness that was our aim we just needed to make sense of kind of what had happened but actually sort of almost go to an extreme happiness you know to try and make up for the sadness um and that's that's honestly where this kind of you know what I'd learned about gratitude in that time and the hope that it had given me because I'd I'd been a hopeful and a hopeless person so I'd kind of been on both sides and I knew that gratitude was helpful. And I read something actually that says you teach what you need. And I guess I really needed gratitude in my life. I needed to kind of have the tools to reframe yeah. certain situations. And that's what's kind of really helped have this happiness in my life and keep it there and do something that's about, um, yeah, creating a legacy, I suppose. Yeah. I, I can't have, you know, I'm infertile now. So I I needed to kind of sh- yeah create something in Olive's name and and to be able to share that with people. I love the name Olive, by the way. Yeah, I do. I really love beautiful. the name Olive. Thank mm-hmm. you. It's beautiful. Um, so how did you start? How did you look up what to do? And how did you kind of think? Right today, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn this and I'm gonna pass it on to other people. Was there a sort of was there a day that you thought right this is it? Well, I. I guess I've always been creative and I didn't really think about it. I actually, I worked for an insurance company for a really long time, which is probably the, one of the least creative jobs you could do. Yeah. But I um, I, I was there like the whole of this chapter. I was like in that job for like 16 years and it just became like unbearable to have to kind of revisit a space where all of these memories were held. It just yeah. wasn't good for me. And I sort of left there with nothing to go to. And I just went kind of, I took control, I guess. My life had felt very out of control. So I took control and I did loads of like random little jobs, creative ones. I had a lovely job in a florist and I I worked in sort of the food industry for a bit and ate my way around. And I just sort of, I don't know, really explored, explored my creativity and uh, a really creative friend Alana um, just said to me like you really you need to do something like you need to channel this creativity somewhere like yeah. there's there's something in this and I guess I I'd made these like my dad had taken us on holiday and I made these like really terrible kind of 
paper cards with like a clip art love art on they were really awful and we all wrote one <laughs> thing we were grateful to my dad for um oh, for his birthday true. and I just uh, like yeah like the culmination of all of those things you know like where I was at I, I was starting to kind of look forwards rather than backwards yeah. and I need I needed some I needed to focus I had all this love to give like I had I know I had so much love to give but I just didn't have anywhere to channel that. Yeah. And yet I just, yeah, I just sort of went for it, bought, got the cards designed and printed them. And I did actually think that that was business at the very start, but I guess all things evolve, don't they, over yeah. time. And yeah, um, sure. speaking to people and connecting with people about gratitude has been amazing. And the stuff in schools is the bit that, um, makes me feel really excited the most yeah actually. I bet so what do you do in schools so I have developed a workshop which is just you know gives the kind of basics of gratitude what it is how it makes us feel why it's important and um I've, and I roll that workshop out in yeah for schools fantastic Brilliant. and all charities that work with children that's really oh, that's cool. fantastic that's really cool and tell us a bit like how did your husband cope with it all I think I think it's so hard for for the for the man I really do I, I feel like we've both been on a real journey and I'm so fortunate and grateful and lucky that we've kind of stayed together because I think it can really yeah. be such a test for couples um but yeah, he has his own struggles, I guess, especially when, um, you know, when Olive died, I was, I was, you know, out when I had the surgery, whereas Joe was a, you know, Joe was there, he had to deal with it and, and make some kind of difficult decisions that I kind of knew nothing about, really. So we've got very different kind of memories of that yeah. specific time. I, I think he I think he definitely had PTSD after I really do really I, I don't yeah I just don't think maybe he probably got enough help at, at the time but it, we've, we've worked through it. I mean it's been it, I guess when we've been in this happy chapter I guess that's definitely the last two years even though we have been locked down for one of them but yeah we've yeah. still kind of focused on on you know what makes us happy who we are and what we want to kind of yeah, get out of our time here on the planet we just don't want to make it you know that that sad sort of chapter to sort of yeah yeah to be, be want to have like all consuming can't it like six years is a long time to feel sad for and to to cling on to that sadness and take that forward with you it's just going to make more years miserable it seems it sounds like obviously yes. both of you guys had a lot of years of of that pain and whenever I hear you guys talk about or hear Laura talk about it and when we have guests on it just sounds so exhausting to be in that situation and and sort of worn down and ground down and thinking about things all the time and gosh it just it just it feels exhausting the energy from it yeah is that a good word for yes. it yeah yeah it's just draining yeah definitely yeah. it is yeah it is because it's like a secret kind of little life as well you know all of your thoughts mm. everything that goes on you know whether you're trying and thinking you're pregnant or you're worrying that it's not going to work out or you're waiting for a scan or 
all of that stuff is just yeah it does you know not booking things our whole lives were on hold in that time really because we were yeah. scared to book to something in case it was to happen and then you know it, and it everyone was, around um, you just really becomes exhausted and bored of it as well so it's it's a real lonely place to be yeah and it, I and I feel like especially because so many things happened over that period of time it was like we were never fully healed or we were never mm. going to be healed when you, when you you know baby losses are really it's it's just the worst thing I think one of the worst things that can happen and I don't you're always going to be very different people but every kind of loss changed us again and again and again so we we were so diff we're so different in terms of who we are now and I get that it's hard for people to stick around for that journey sometimes I think mm. I see how it do you think that in in terms I know you said that you're very different do you think you are less inclined to sweat the small stuff now I think that yeah I, th- I definitely think there's an element of that I do always think and even you know the Grateful Hearts Club I'm really just throwing myself out there I'm tr- doing what feels right I've, I've never had a business before I'm kind of feeling my way through it I'm scared all the time but I do think what what is the worst that can happen now do you know what I mean like really bad things have happened so that's the kind of level of it anything else just seems so much easier and yeah I definitely think there's that element that you know happiness has to be sort of the key for me now yeah fixing my energy on on the on the good stuff and what does that involve what does your good stuff involve I guess really I've done a lot of work on myself I really am trying my hardest to kind of understand me and just listen to what I need and what makes me happy I feel like yeah gratitude definitely plays a big part because it's such a positive topic to focus on and be around like I'm thinking and speaking about it every single day which is like so good for my kind of own mental health and and well-being but definitely yeah I'm I'm definitely better at boundaries and you know you know saying no to things good yeah and for boundaries I'm really Mm. working on that I'm really working on it and it's it's taken a long time it don't get me wrong I don't always find it easy but I just think I need to just for a time just really put my happiness at the front of everything and it's been really interesting actually. We talk a lot about the we call them the ugly feelings the bitterness and the resentment of other people and their pregnancies how do you cope with those feelings do you still get them? Do you know what I feel like I was all always so happy for people um to to be pregnant and have families and I've always kind of always I did myself on that like I I wouldn't want anyone to ever go through what I I've been through Mm. but I noticed a change actually from when I couldn't have children I really noticed a change in that I found it really difficult if people were, were pregnant I just had to create a little bit of distance between me and them until I'd got to a place where I kind of felt comfortable. And that was quite a new feeling to me because I'd gone so long feeling like, okay, no, I'm actually fine about this. So it was, it was hard actually that the last sort of few years, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I found that a bit of a struggle. I'm very good at saying no to baby showers. I will say that. (laughs) Good. (laughs) 
oh yeah I mean they're never much fun for anyone are they let's be honest (laughs) no no it's yeah but I would go I would go for you you know I'd always go because I'd be thinking of the other person and I'd be like no come on it's important that that I'm there and then I just got to a point and I thought no they just don't make me feel very good so Mm. why am I why am I doing that yeah yeah good for you I think that's that's so important um about that sort of thing is that they don't need you there they this, this is a bit of what we covered mm. with um sophie the infertile midwife yeah is your worry about them thinking that you're not going to be there is much bigger than them than you mm. not being there do you know what i mean it's the, the space that it takes up in your head because i can imagine that that whole like oh but they're a good friend and you know they've always been there for me and and that is a killer for you because you're a good person because you're a nice person you don't want to let anyone down but in reality if you strip it all back and if you think oh that you had a friend who was really struggling yeah there's no way you'd want them there is there exactly and it's just so important for everyone if you're listening and you're feeling uncomfortable about anything that you've got even weddings you know anything that you've got coming up that you know is going to be really challenging and end of the day make you feel like shit don't go it's it's not you know just don't go it's not worth it is it no exactly not and also I I just maybe I'll see that friend in the time or I do something on my own with that friend in a space that I can feel more comfortable in so you don't have to avoid it altogether but do what feels right in in your own little way yeah good advice amazing advice and so tell us about tell or tell people where they can find you and what what they can do with you okay so I'm on Instagram at the Grateful Hearts Club and on Facebook I run monthly workshop I've I've written three workshops now so there's a bit of a series so you got you can go on a little bit of a journey with it if you're um if you're new to it and you want to kind of it helps you live a happier life um I would love to hear from more businesses because I gift a workshop for every business workshop that I host so um it, I can yeah from like four to a hundred people I can host a workshop for and I'm more than happy to do that because the more of those I do the more I can give back to kind of charities and schools That's awesome. um, and yeah you can still buy the gratitude yeah you can buy the gratitude cards if you're interested I love them I still write a card every day and I love them because you can share them with people like if you want to leave a little note for someone or um, put it with a gift or you just let someone know you're thinking of them they're a really cool, a cool way to do that so yeah that's where I am mainly it's just um yeah hopefully it's going to be a big year I really would like to maybe get some funding this year and kind of turn just to be bigger and better and reach more people that's my aim is that if I could help someone either like me or give gratitude to someone as a tool before they need it then yeah. that's really mm. what I'm committed to doing mm, exciting stuff well hopefully yeah, 2021 awesome. is going to be kind to us all and allow you to to do those things yeah hopefully the world will open up soon well it did feel nicer today didn't it yeah it felt it felt like a happier place to be the world I hung my first load of washing out on the line (laughs) and I was grateful for that so I practiced good gratitude because it smelled amazing it came back in we're recording on the what day is 21st of February first washout of the year (laughs) but but it's also just acknowledging that little moment about you being grateful about your washing that's all gratitude needs to be honestly just having that little one thing a day that you think oh do you know what yeah 
I'm oh, really, I think I'm yeah, really quite good at that. Then. I'm grateful for it. I didn't think that I was a, a yeah, person, it doesn't have but to... I, I, I'm quite, I'm happy that the sun is shining and I'm happy <laughs> the sun comes through <laughs> trees and, you know, I, so I think I, yes. I can practice gratitude for sure. Yeah. What Laura and I have done, you know, following our pain and our losses and everything is, is kind of similar in the way that I was so desperate not, not for everything to just snowball and become really, really miserable and sad that I thought if we can change something for someone else, it's going to make my experience worthwhile. Mm. If, if you see what I mean. Yeah. And that's, that's something that's yes. always kept us going. Hasn't I'm it, so Laura? with you. Like, just, yeah. Just, just the, the fact that if we can make a difference, a positive difference in someone else's negative experience, then that makes us feel good yes. and it makes them feel good. And then the world starts to become a better place. For sure. Yeah, 100%. And I love I love that. And I'm, I am super grateful for you inviting me on because um, it's really, it feels really good to be honest, you know, and, mm. and to people that are, you know, able and open to hearing it because yeah. it kind of... I think you hold back been, quite a lot a rough journey. when you're speaking to people who haven't been through it because you sort of filter it for them, don't you? Um, it is nice to be able to mm. speak to people who've who've been there and, and who get it for sure. I think you'll be I think listening to this podcast will be so wonderful to to many, many women as well, because a lot of what we say is that it's very easy for Laura and I to say all this stuff because we've got our happy ending you know we, we we both have have kids and I think for you to be as able to reframe your horrendously traumatic experience is going to be really really powerful tool for other people to think if Charlotte can do it I can do it it's possible to reframe this Definitely. shit show and move on with with something yeah. rather than just oh, oh it's Bex and Laura again yeah but actually really you know it's all right for them so thank you so, so much yeah. for coming on and being so honest about oh. your experiences because I think it's going to be really, really great for people yeah. to... Um, it's okay. And I, and I definitely, I really hope that that's what people will take from this because I, my version of a happy ending, I didn't even really consider what a happy life could be like without a family. I mm. My happy ending, just there was one ending only. And I've really learned that, you can create whatever ending you want, you know, yeah. and I, I probably, there'll always be a sadness, always, but there's new kind of joys that I never would have experienced. And I, I wouldn't have been here kind of talking to you or, you know, putting goodness out in the world with, with the Grateful Hearts Club. So I can look back and kind of, you know, reflect with some kind of kindness and gratitude about that situation because it's brought me here and it feels like I'm in a, I'm on the right path you know very different yeah. one but the right one yeah and it is all a journey isn't it you know you, you you're not where you are now is not where you're going to be in two three years or even two three months necessarily but it's all just about mm. being mindful being in the moment and being like today I am this today I am I am looking at the blue sky and that is a good thing and I think people get mm. so overwhelmed by what may or may not happen in the future that they often forget to to think about being today and I know mm. mindfulness is like a very hot thing isn't it right now mm -hmm. but I I think it's it's really really powerful tool to have to be able to stay in your shoes 
every day. Yeah. Mm, definitely. Agreed. I'm, I'm really with you, but it, it's important. It's so important. And I, and I wish I'd known all of this stuff sooner. I really do. And that's why I guess it's things, you know, conversations like this are really important. Well, thanks so much for coming on. And um, yeah, we would love to keep in touch with you. Thank you so much for having me. It has been lovely. Yeah, I love what you're doing and just, yeah, you're doing an amazing job. So thank you. Thank you. All righty. Well, that was a nice episode, wasn't it? Yeah, very nice. Thank you so much for um, inviting me on. Have a good evening. Bye, Take bye. care. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And please, please, when you have a second, rate us, review us and share us and let's get this taboo smashed. See you next week. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.